going to read from Psalm 119, verses 81 through 88. Psalm 119, 81 through 88 says, My soul faints with longing for your salvation, but I have put my hope in your word. My eyes fail looking for your promise. I say, when will you comfort me? Though I am like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your decrees. How long must your servant wait? When will you punish my persecutors? The arrogant dig pits to trap me, contrary to your law. All your commands are trustworthy. Help me, for I am being persecuted without cause. They almost wiped me from the earth, but I have not forsaken your precepts. In your unfailing love, preserve my life, that I may obey the statutes of your mouth. We see, see here that David is talking about even in the bad times, he's going to obey the Lord. And whether, it doesn't matter what's going on around him, whether his enemies are persecuting him or whatever, he's still going to obey the Lord's word. And we need to take a cue from David. There are you know, times in our lives when things don't look good for us, where things are going on uh, all around us, we should still obey God and know that God is faithful to fulfill his promises for us. So just keep those things in mind as we get into uh, to worship today. So we're going to sing some songs, but first let's pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together.
Now is the time for us to do our communion meditation. I will say a few words, I will pray, and then you will have time to meditate and participate in this intimate thing we call communion. This is an intimate time to remember what Jesus did on the cross for all the children of God. You should have received a communion packet. The little thin round cracker is the bread. And this is Jesus' body broken for you. The juice is Jesus' blood shed for you. 
Jesus said in John 6, 54 through 58, Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up in the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate the manna and died, but whoever eats this bread will live forever. When I first read this verse, it made me feel a little uncomfortable, especially because I've got kind of an imagination and I'm a picky eater. But over the years, this brought me a lot of comfort to know God provides food of salvation, and that supply never runs out. When we leave here, a lot of time we spend time thinking, where are we going to eat? Or you may be in the car for 15 minutes going back and forth, where do you want to eat? (laughs) Very to little thought ever goes into that this meal keeps us alive. When was the last time you pulled up to O'Charlie's, Waffle House, B-Dubs, or your favorite restaurant, and thought, I am here so I can live? Every time you are eating a meal of salvation, because we depend on food and drink to live, the same way it says we are to eat and drink Jesus in remembrance. When we remember Jesus paid a very high price for us to live, and when we remember how fragile and dependent we are on Jesus to continually save us, we are taking communion in the right way. Jesus says when we eat his flesh and drink his blood, Jesus will stay in that person, and they will remain in Jesus. So as we eat and drink Jesus, we do this with thankfulness in our hearts because without Jesus, we don't have salvation. Let's pray. Thank you, Father in heaven, for sending your son, Jesus, so we can live. That he paid such a high price for us and that we can depend on him continually and eat him and drink him for salvation. In your holy name I pray. Amen.
morning, everybody. Now is the time in the service for announcements. Matthew 25 Ministries um, are always collecting pill bottle donations. Obviously, empty, please. Um, you can have prescription pill bottles or over-the-counter. They don't need to have the lids. Um, they don't even need to have the label taken off. But if that's something you want to take off or scratch off, that's great, too. Um, out in the foyer, there's a plastic bin that you can put those. We are also collecting used ink cartridges. Um, also in the foyer, there's a container for those. Um, they can be small. They can be big. They can be yours. They can be your neighbor's from work. As long as they're going to be getting rid of them, we'll take them. Um, it helps to reduce any cost for office supplies. Food pantry closed closet is every Thursday from 5 to 7 p.m. If you haven't taken a look at it, you're welcome to. Anytime, go downstairs and walk through the hall and check it out. Um, it's set up more like, I think, uh, I don't remember who said it, but they called it a boutique. So I think that's really sweet um, that people can come in who may have needs um, to be able to just look around as if they're actually in a store. Women's Bible Study, Empty Nesters, uh, 10 o'clock every Thursday at Ruth Liming's house. Refit, uh, free dance fitness class every Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 to 7.30. If you have any questions, you can contact Kristen Nay right there. Menloridge Nursing Home Church Ministry. It's going to be the fourth Sunday of every month at 2 p.m. It is starting May 22nd, next Sunday. There's a sign-up on the welcome table. If you'd like to join us, we're looking for about 8 to 10 people to go with us. Um, it's going to be about 45 minutes to an hour long to have a, just a small service with them. Let them know that they're important, they're loved, um, and we will have lunch uh, supplied that day also. Tithes and offerings, you can give in person. The offering box is in the back of the sanctuary. We now have online giving um, at the website there. If you go to our website, which is right there, um, click on Give, and it will go walk you through all the instructions to do that. This slide is about Heartland Financials. Um, there is a paper out in the foyer for all the church financials if you're interested in looking at that. Um, but the budget, the weekly budget is, um, it's actually supposed to say 2940, sorry, 2940. And um, the tithes and offerings are given towards uh, Cincinnati Challenge Ranch, which was formerly Teen Challenge, uh, Sun Reflection Refuge, which is a uh, faith-based women's um, sh uh, homeless shelter, and uh, Christian Help Center, which is like a headquarters for all the churches to give for um, rental assistance, utilities, um, food, clothing, lots of other stuff for all of Claremont County. Second Timothy three fourteen through 17. And when you get there, please stand for the reading of God's word. I don't know if I told you, told you to turn together in our Bibles or not, but that's what I was supposed to say. Now, the title of today's teaching is, How Should We Use the Scriptures? In Second Timothy three fourteen through 17, the scriptures say, But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You may be seated. And when we hold the scriptures in our hands, we hold one of the ways through which the God of the universe has chosen to speak to us. Notice in 2 Timothy 3, 16, Paul says, all scripture is God breathed. The words we read in the scriptures are the words that God wanted in the scriptures. And God got those words into the scriptures by moving more than 40 different human authors to speak as they were carried along by God's spirit. As Peter says in 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, this is why we call the scriptures the word of God. They're not a human product. Human will did not produce the books in the scriptures. Those who wrote the scriptures were carried along by God, or they spoke from God as they were carried along by God's Holy Spirit. 
So the scriptures are the God-breathed living word of the living God in written form. But why did God give us the scriptures? Obviously to speak to us, but what should we do with the scriptures? How should we use the scriptures? Well, Paul answers those questions in today's passage as he teaches us four fundamental ways we should use the scriptures. That's what we'll talk about. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for giving us your word, for speaking to us through the scriptures. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things in your word and give us the grace to put those things into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first way we should use the scriptures is we should use the scriptures to show us the right path. In the first part of 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul says, all scripture is useful for teaching. You know, the scriptures teach us many things about God and about ourselves, but the main thing the scriptures teach us is the right path, the path of eternal life in Jesus Christ. In Psalm 16.11, David says to the Lord, you make known to me the path of life. And in Psalm 119, 105, David tells us where the Lord makes the path of life known to us. David says, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God's word or the scriptures are described as a lamp and a light that points us to the path of life in this dark world. In Proverbs 12, 28, David's son Solomon calls the path to life that God reveals in the scriptures, the way of righteousness. He says, in the way of righteousness, there is life. Along that path is immortality. So the path that leads to eternal life or immortality, got to be careful there, the life that leads to eternal life or immortality is the way of righteousness. And God wants every one of us to walk on that path. So God gave us his written word to light the path to eternal life. He's given us the scriptures to teach us the right path. And notice what Paul says about the scriptures in Romans 15, 4. He says, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. Everything written in the scriptures was written to teach us. And what this means is when we read the Old and the New Testaments, we're not simply reading history. Yes, it is history. You know, these things actually happened. But it's much more than history. That history was written specifically to teach us how to live. And so Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture, everything written in the word of God is useful to teach us. Peter says it this way in 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. God gives us everything we need to live a godly life, to live a righteous life through our knowledge of him. And where do we gain a knowledge of God? Where do we learn how to live a godly, righteous life? Well, it's primarily through God's written word. So with Paul, Peter's saying, through God's written word, the scriptures, we learn what we need to know to live a godly life. So we should use the scriptures to show us the right path. The second way we should use the scriptures is we should use the scriptures to show us when we're off the right path. Paul goes on in the second part of 2 Timothy 3.16 to say, all scripture is useful for rebuking. Now, what do the scriptures call it when we get off the right path, when we're off the path of eternal life, we're not living the way God wants us to live? What do they call it when we don't live a righteous life? Well, the scriptures call that sin. So when Paul says the word of God is useful for rebuking, well, he means it's useful for rebuking us for our sins. And the word the NIV translates rebuking could also be translated convicting. So what Paul's saying here is that the scriptures are useful for convicting us of sin. They show us when we're off the right path. Paul talks about the convicting power of the scriptures again in Hebrews 4, 12. He says, the word of God is alive and active sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Unlike any other book, the scriptures are alive. They're active. So when we read the scriptures, they're able to get right down into our soul and show us what's in our heart. 
And if our hearts are not right, well, the scriptures will show us that. Scriptures are useful to expose our sin to us. And as Christians, we should want any and every sin in our lives to be exposed. Why? Well, so we can get it out of our lives. Listen to what Jesus said about this in John 3, 19 through 21. Jesus said, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. The people who do evil things don't want anything to do with the light of God's word. When I lived out in the world, I didn't want anything to do with the light of God's word. didn't want to hear it. Don't tell me about that. I don't care what that says. Don't tell me anything about that. Why? Because the light of God's word exposes evil thoughts, evil words, and evil deeds for what they are. Sin, right? The people who love darkness will not allow the light of the scriptures to shine on their hearts because they don't want their sin exposed. We're like cockroaches when we see the light of God's word. We live out in the world, right? The light comes on. We're running. We got to go. I got to get out of here. I don't want to hear that. But as God's children, we do not love the darkness. We love the light. And we want to live in the truth. So we want to keep on coming to, God, to, to the light of God's word. Keep on coming to God's son. Keep coming to the scriptures so we can be sure that we're walking in the light and doing God's will. And when we continually expose ourselves to God's word, well, the light of the truth of God's word exposes things in our thoughts and our words and our deeds that don't line up with God's will and convicts us of sin. And if we want to live by the truth, well, we will welcome that conviction from the scriptures. We'll accept that rebuke and let it drive us to repentance. We'll let the light of the scriptures motivate us to ask for God's grace to change us so that we can live in light of God's word. Now, we need to rid ourselves of the idea that rebuke is bad, that conviction for sin is bad, that feelings of guilt over sin is bad. Conviction and guilt over sin are not bad for us. They're good for us. They're essential to spiritual growth. Why does God rebuke us? Why does God convict us of our sins? Is it because God loves to make us feel bad? wants to see us, you know, cringe a little bit. Uh, is it to condemn us? No, God rebukes us because he loves us. And he wants us to walk on the path of righteousness because God knows that's, that that is the only path that leads to life and immortality. As Jesus says in Revelation 3.19, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Rebuke or conviction or is a rebuke or conviction is an act of love. It's an act that's meant to drive us to repentance. And by the way, Jesus will not only use the scriptures to rebuke us, he'll also use the Holy Spirit and the saints in the church to rebuke us. And he's also been known to rebuke people through a talking donkey, but let's not let it get that far, right? We shouldn't have to. We need to learn to love the rebukes from God's spirit, to learn to love God's, the rebuke from God's people and from the scriptures. Because Jesus will use those things to show us when we wander, wander from the right path. And if we're wise, we'll repent. Now, in some, some sense, as Christians, we'll always be repenting. And listen carefully to what I'm going to say next. That does not mean we keep committing the same sins over and over and just keep confessing and doing it. That's not, that's not what repentance is. The word repent means to have a transformation of mind that results in transfer, transformation of behavior. So when we read and study the scriptures, our minds are being transformed. We're learning to think as God thinks. We're learning the mind of Christ. And as we learn the mind of Christ, well, we'll, we'll see things that, sorry, we'll see that there are things in our own minds and in our own thoughts that don't match the mind of Christ. We'll see that we have certain attitudes and actions that are sinful. And as that happens, we should repent. We should transform our behavior to match the light that we receive from God's word. We should accept the rebuke from the scriptures and reform our lives to match God's word. And that brings us to the third way we should use the scriptures. 
We should use the scriptures to show us how to return to the right path. As Paul says in the fourth part of 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is useful for correcting. The word translated correcting here means to restore to an upright or a right state. So God's word is useful to restore us to a right state, to return us to the right path. Now, I've used this illustration before, but I can't find a better one, so I'm going to use it again. Now, we've all likely heard about or used GPS, right? Where we put the address of a destination that we want to reach into our phone or some other device. And the GPS gives us visual and voice directions to get to the destination we're trying to get to. But if you're like me, then sometimes when you use GPS, it doesn't work out how it should due to operator error. (laughs) So you'll be driving along, right? And you're coming close to the street where you're supposed to turn. And that voice comes over the GPS and says, in 800 feet, make a right turn. So what you're doing, at least what I do, I'm like, you know, is that street 800 feet away and it looks a little bit closer? I don't know if that's the right street or not. And then by the time you figure it out, well, you just went right past the street. (laughs) So what does the GPS do when you miss the turn? Well, the person inside the GPS rolls their eyes at you first. (laughs) And then she thinks to herself, I told you it was 800 feet. (laughs) And then says something like recalculating, rerouting, something like that, right? The GPS then shows you how to get back on the right path to reach your destination. And that's what God's word is like to us. Our spiritual life is a journey. Our destination is eternal life in the kingdom of God. To reach that destination, we've got to continue to walk on the path of righteousness. And as we walk along the path, the scriptures give us directions. And if we stray from the right path, or if we miss our turn or do something that is not going to lead us to the destination of eternal life in the kingdom of God, well, the scriptures are like a spiritual GPS that says recalculating, rerouting. The scriptures are the voice that points us back to the path of righteousness. And when we add to the voice of the scriptures, the voice of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the saints in the church, Well, we see that God has given us everything that we need to get on and stay on the right path. But we've got to learn to be willing and eager to be corrected. Be corrected by the scriptures, be corrected by the Holy Spirit, and be corrected by the saints. Now, what if we put a destination into our GPS and then we ignored the directions when we veered off the path? uh, That thing don't know what it's talking about. I don't want to hear any of that. You know, will we still expect to reach the destination? Of course not, right? And it's the same with our spiritual lives. We should actually love being corrected because it's through those corrections that we reach the destination we're trying to get to. We, we don't want to be like those the Spirit of God inspired Solomon to tell us about in Proverbs 12.1. He says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but whoever hates correction is stupid. Now, Did you know that God calls certain people stupid? If you hate correction, then you're stupid. But why are people who hate correction stupid? Well, Solomon tells us in Proverbs 6.23. He says, for this command is a lamp, this teaching is a light, and correction and instruction are the way to life. And in Proverbs 29.1, we read, whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. Loving correction and instruction leads to life. Refusing correction and instruction leads to destruction and death. So let's make sure that we're not stupid. Let's all learn to love correction and instruction from the Holy Spirit, from the saints, and from the scriptures. And I know it's not always easy to accept correction, especially for us men. We don't like that. Don't tell me anything about that. I don't know. Well, none of us like to admit that we're wrong hurts our ego, right? It hurts our pride. But pride does not get us anywhere with the Lord. As Peter says in 1 Peter 5, 5, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And as we read in Proverbs 16, 18, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. We need to lay our pride aside and learn to humbly accept correction because correction and discipline are the way to life. So if we're not living in line with God's will, 
If we're not walking the right way, then we should want to know it so that we can reroute our lives and make sure we get back on the right path. And the scriptures are useful for that purpose. So we should use the scriptures to show us how to return to the right path. And finally, we should use the scriptures in a fourth way. We should use the scriptures to show us how to remain on the right path. And that's what Paul means at the end of 2 Timothy 3.16 when he says, All scripture is useful for instruction in righteousness. We not only need to get on the right path, we've also got to remain on the right path. And through the scriptures, God has given us the guidelines to make sure that we do remain on the right path. He gives us instructions on how to live in righteousness. Psalm 119.4 says of the Lord, you have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. The way I hear a lot of people talk about the commandments in the scripture, well, you think that God were trying to trick all of us. As if God gave these high standards that nobody is ever expected to live up to. But through David, God says he has laid down precepts. He has laid down commandments that are to be fully obeyed. God does not tell us to do things that we're not able to do with his help. So through the scriptures, he's made it plain what he, require, what he requires from us. He's laid down instructions that are to be fully obeyed. And through his spirit, God makes it possible for us to obey him. So if we'll learn the scriptures, and if we'll obey the scriptures with the Spirit's help, well, then we'll have the grace of God empowering us to remain in the way of righteousness until we finally enter the kingdom of God. Doesn't do us any good to start this journey if we're not going to finish it. And God has given us everything that we need to empower us to finish. Now, as we close, let's talk about the results of all of this, everything we've just talked about. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, Paul tells Timothy God's goal for our, use, for our using the scriptures in, in these four ways. And it's something that we need to learn very well. Paul says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Why? So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. God did not give us the scripture so we would argue about what they mean or know every detail about the future, or be able to answer every theological question, or to use as a science book or a proof text for all of our pet doctrines. Instead, God gave us the scriptures to equip us to serve him and to serve others. The scriptures teach us the good works that God wants us all to do, all to learn to do in Christ. And the scriptures equip us to do the good works God has prepared for us to do in Christ by giving us God's grace. So when we read the scriptures, in some way God's grace is in, those, in the words that are there. That's what he talk, when, he's, when he talks about it being alive. There's God's grace is in the word of scripture. So not only is he telling us what to do, he's giving us the grace to obey it if we'll just walk it out. So we must all allow the scriptures to teach us, to rebuke us, to correct us, and to train us in righteousness so we'll be equip, equipped for every good work. If what we're doing with the scriptures is not helping us to get better at doing good works, well, then we're not using the scriptures as God intended. We spend a lot of energy and place a lot of value on gaining information about the scriptures. You know, things like being able to name all the books in the Bible, how many chapters and verses are in the scriptures, who wrote each book, knowing the names of all the disciples. And if that information equips us for every good work, well, then that's great. But we can know everything there is to know about the scriptures and never use the scriptures as God intended. Do we really think when we meet God on judgment day, he's going to ask us to name all the books in the Bible? Is that what God is concerned about? Well, I seriously doubt it. Instead, God tells us over and over again in the scriptures, he's he's going to judge us based on our relationship with Jesus and whether we lived like Jesus in this world or not. So our goal in knowing the scriptures should not be gaining information. Our goal in knowing the scriptures should be transformation. We should be learning God's word so that we can obey the scriptures and become like Jesus in everything that we do. James says it this way in James 1, 21 through 25. He says, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. 
Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. James tells us that God's word planted in us is able to save us. God's word shows us who we need to know and what we need to do to be saved and live a righteous life. Paul said the same thing in 2 Timothy 3.15. He said the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. But we can't just listen to God's word. We can't just learn the teachings of the Scriptures or learn about the Scriptures and say that we have faith in Jesus and think we're going to be saved. And we've got to do what the Scriptures say. We've got to obey the Scriptures. We've got to continue to do what God requires of us for salvation. True faith in Jesus is an obedient faith in Jesus, a faith that causes us to get Christ's commandments and obey Christ's commandments. So how should we use the Scriptures? Well, for God's Word to be useful for us, we've got to use God's Word as God intended. So let's use God's Word to show us the right path to show us when we're off the right path, to show us how to return to the right path, and to show us how to remain on the right path. If we'll use God's word in, in those ways, then we'll all be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We'll live lives that are honoring to God, and then we'll meet the Lord in peace on the day of judgment. But that's how we should use the scriptures. Let's all stand for prayer. Lord, we thank you for giving us the scriptures, your divine word, to teach us, correct us, rebuke us, and train us in righteousness. Lord, we ask you to help us to use your word as you intended so that we will be thoroughly equipped to do every good work and that through those good works, we'll draw the world to you for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So they're going to sing one more song. Before they do that, I'm going to speak the Lord's blessing over you all. And I want to uh, invite you as they sing this song, you're welcome to come forward and pray. There'll be people up here to pray with you. If you want prayer for healing or anything like that, just come forward and ask, and then we'll pray for you. Uh, if you don't know the Lord, you want to know the Lord, you want to know more about knowing the Lord, you can ask somebody during this time or after service. So just know that those times are always open. We want to invite you to come forward and pray as they sing the song. So first, I'll speak the Lord's blessing over you all. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Draw me close to you.